Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. I shared this in a little... This came to me after... Uh, we shared last Sunday, and it, it, it was on me, so I had to make a quick little video and give y'all this little piece of dessert on, on Facebook Live. But um, it's been in my spirit all this week, so we're going to look at these two verses. First Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, where we're told, Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Amen. I want to talk today from the thought, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Growing up, when, when we would have chicken, especially fried chicken, uh, my dad would, sometimes when he would get a drumstick, when he'd finish eating the, the drumstick, the meat off the drumstick, he'd take, he'd take that bone in his mouth and bite off that one tip and, uh, and, and commence to eating the marrow out of the bone. He wouldn't eat the bone itself. He would, he would eat the marrow out of the bone. And I don't know how many years I'd seen him do this until I tried it. And I got, my, I got hold of a drumstick and I ate the meat off that drumstick. I bit the tip off that drumstick and started eating the marrow out of the bone of that drumstick. And uh, been doing it ever since. I don't do it every time, but I'd, every now and then I'll still grab that bone and... I'd, Bite the tip off that bone and eat the marrow out of the bone. I don't eat the bone itself, but I will eat that. I'll eat the meat off the bone. I'll eat that marrow uh, out of the center of that bone. Uh, it, it, it helps us to uh, understand that saying where you eat the meat and spit out the bones. And that's what you do when you're eating chicken. That's what you do when you're eating pork chops. Uh, that's what you do when you're eating oxtails. That's what you do when you eat neck bones. You eat the meat. You spit out the bones. Now, you might suck on that bone for about 20, 25 minutes. Get all, the, all that flavor, all that juice. And I know, I know some people who eat the gristle off of a chicken wing. I, I'm, I'm not at that level yet. I got to graduate to that level. But, the, but most of us, we know what it means to eat the meat. Spit out the bone, spit out the bones. But sometimes, sometimes you can, you can accidentally get a fish bone stuck in your neck. Anybody ever accidentally eat, you eating that fish and you so into it or you running your mouth while you eating that fish and you don't, you're not paying attention, you get that bone stuck in your throat. And uh, I'm sure we all know the remedy. Cornbread, light bread. Uh, I don't know who came up with the remedy. I don't know who the first person was. I don't know if it was some slave back in 1788 who originated the remedy for when you eat a fishbone. But somehow through all these years, all these generations, we know if you get a bone stuck in your throat, you get some bread or something and it'll do the trick. Uh, um, you, you, you eat the meat, you spit out the bones. It's important to spit out the bones because... Uh, there are some things that do not belong 
in your digestive system. Bones do not belong in your digestive system. It's a number of things that do not belong in your digestive system. It could be detrimental. I remember uh, years ago, in fact, this was New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1997. We're getting ready for church. And, uh, Michelle and I are dressed. We got the kids dressed. David is a baby. David had to be seven months old, seven months old. And we're getting ready to go to church. Uh, David is dressed. The girls are dressed. And David begins to regurgitate his milk. And it's a mess. I mean, it's violent regurgitation. So I, I take him. I change him. I clean him up put some other clothes on him, he does it again, milk everywhere, just clean him up, he does it again. I'm like, okay, look, there shouldn't be no milk left. <laughs> clean him up again, and finally, he regurgitated one last time, and a little piece of plastic wrapping came out with all that milk. And I looked at his mama, and I, first of all, I said, Goonie Goo Goo, I had no idea that this boy was part goat. I didn't know the boy ate plastic. I, I didn't know we were feeding them plastic. It was like a plastic wrapping or something. Probably was playing with it or something and accidentally swallowed it. Some stuff don't belong in your digestive system. It won't agree with your digestive system. You got to learn to eat meat, spit out the bones, and anything that does not belong in your digestive system. And this eat the meat, spit out the bones concept applies not only to eating actual meat, but how we feast on what we hear. There are some things we hear that do not belong in our mental, psychological, digestive system. There are some things we hear, maybe even some things we see that do not belong in our emotional, spiritual, psychological, digestive system. It won't agree with the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. And we can end up uh, becoming unhealthy, we can end up being sick, not only as individuals, but even uh, as a corporate, as a corporate body. There are some things that we hear uh, that, that just don't belong in our, in our psyche, in our, in our soul, in our uh, emotional, uh, our inner man's digestive system. Are y'all with me so far? Yeah, there, there are some things that we hear that may prove difficult to digest in a healthy way. There are some things that we hear that may prove difficult for you as an individual to digest or difficult for your family to digest or it could be difficult for your church, your community or our nation to digest. Some people can hear that a presidential election was stolen and believe the election was stolen and that they must do the patriotic thing and storm the Capitol to take their nation back. And once they make their way to the Senate floor of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, um, lead, lead, lead a prayer. We, we must be careful with what we do, with what we hear, because of how it digests in our beliefs and our behaviors. Paul understood this and warned the Thessalonians, warned the Thessalonians about, about prophesying. He told them, despise not Prophesying. These prophesying, it refers here as Paul uses it to the foretelling of the will of God. It's basically the proclamation of the will of God. There are times when prophesying refers to foretelling. Foretelling something that will happen in the future. 
It could be something specific. It's something that comes directly from God uh, that those who hear it would understand what's going to happen in the future. That's, that's for the foretelling element of prophesying. But then there's also the forthtelling element of prophesying. And that's simply proclaiming the will of God. It is the will of God for you to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is the will of God for you to love your neighbor as much as, you're, as you love yourself. That's forth telling, simply telling forth the will of God. That's prophesying. Are y'all with me so far? Uh, we, we come to know the will of God through, uh, through, through forth telling, proclaiming the will of God. We come to know the will of God through the prophets, through those who proclaim or preach the will of God. And so all preachers are therefore prophets because all preachers proclaim or foretell the will of God for our lives. All preachers may not have a gift of foretelling specific things that God is going to do in the future, but all who preach the word of God carry a prophetic, man, a prophetic mantle. We are all called of God, anointed of God, to tell forth, to, to forth tell, proclaim the will of God. And Paul encouraged the Ephesians, he encouraged the Ephesians to know the will of God. In Ephesians 5.17, Paul says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It is important for us to understand the will of God, how he would have us to carry ourselves, how he would have us to think, how he would have us to speak, how he would have us to behave, how he would have us to endure, what he would have us to do, how the, the will of God as it pertains to how we are to treat folk, our friends, our family, our enemies, folk we love, folk we like, folk who uh, make it a struggle to love them, folk who make it a struggle to like them. Y'all need to stop looking at me in that tone of voice because y'all know y'all have an inventory of some folk in your life that make it hard for you to like them. Some of y'all got to go back to work this fall with them. Amen. So we must, we must have the prophetic word of God proclaimed so that we will know the will of God, how God would have us to live, how God would have us to behave, how he would have us to think, how he would have us to speak, how he would have us to endure, how he would have us to, to struggle. What, what does God have to say about my struggles? What does God have to say about, about my troubles? What does God have to say about my marriage, about my finances, about my health? What does, how am I supposed to carry myself with all the realities that I'm dealing with? How, what does God have to say? We've got to know. We, we must know. We must have the prophetic word of God proclaimed. There's power. There's power in knowing the will of God. And we can see it in several instances in scripture. One instance is the Passover. The Passover, when the children of Israel were in, uh, enslaved in Egypt and Moses, their deliverers, come uh, to, to get them out of slavery. They needed to know the will of God. If they did not know the will of God, their, their slavery could last longer than God had ordained. They, they could remain in bondage in, in Egypt when God had proclaimed in his will that their deliverance had come. Can you imagine that night, that night when the death angel passed? 
passed over Egypt and, and God had already proclaimed everyone who slays the lamb according to the criteria, couldn't have any blemishes, couldn't have any broken bones, uh, had to be a male, about a year, year and a half old. And uh, if you didn't have one, it was too big for your family, you could invite another family over. If you didn't have one, you could hook up with another family so that no one was left out of this, of this Passover experience. And you take the blood from this lamb and you sprinkle it on the doorpost and on the windowsill so that when the death angel would pass over Egypt, wherever he saw that blood, he passed over that house. But any house that did not have that blood, the oldest male child in that family, the oldest male of their livestock and all their animals dropped dead that night. And there was an awful lot of wailing that night awful lot of wailing it may remind some of us who was trying to go to sleep around 10 30 11 o'clock p.m uh, on july 3rd july 4th maybe even july 5th when all those fireworks were popping off in your subdivision and you couldn't sleep and it caused your dog to lose its mind and you couldn't sleep because your dog wouldn't start stop barking because all these fireworks were going off all of that noise caused trauma in some of y'all houses whether it's with you or your child or your or your dog or that Vietnam vet you had to try to sleep next to. It was the same thing in Egypt on that Passover night. Lots of wailing, lots of trauma, lots of howling, lots of crying because men had died that night, but not Jewish men, not Hebrew men, not Israelite men, but, but all the men of Egypt where, the, where they did not hear the proclamation of the will of God that that meal was to be prepared that night and the blood was to be put on the doorpost that night and the blood was to be spread on, on the windowsill that night everyone who did not hear the word of God that night experienced sorrow experienced death experienced trauma but everyone who heard the word who heard what God was going to do who heard the will of God for them to prepare that lamb and prepare that meal and spread the blood everyone who heard it and did according to what they heard they experienced deliverance they experience joy they experience breakthrough they experience getting free from being held captive in Egypt that's why it's important for us to hear what God is going what God is saying and what God has willed for your life it can get you out of bondage it can get you out of captivity it can cause you to experience deliverance when God has ordained for you to experience deliverance it can cause you to experience freedom when God has ordained for you you to experience freedom and then another occasion in the scriptures where it was important to hear the will of God what God was doing and what God had, had ordained was doing the prophetic ministries in the Old Testament, particularly the ministry of Jeremiah. For Jeremiah was taken into captivity and there were some prophets who were telling the people of God, y'all listen, we're in the situation we're in, we are in bondage, but it won't last long. Don't get comfortable, don't build houses, don't plant gardens, your children aren't going to get married in this situation, don't worry, it's not going to last too long. I don't know where those prophets got those lies from but it did not come from God because God was speaking another word through his prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah the prophet of God who heard from God was foretelling and foretelling another word that came directly from God he was telling them something that they probably didn't want to hear something that was probably difficult to digest but it was true because it came from God Jeremiah was telling them listen y'all might as well get comfortable we gonna be here for a while go on 
and build your houses, plant your gardens, get ready to farm your land, get ready to marry off your children here in this situation because the situation that we're in, the trouble that we're in ain't going to be over no time soon. And I know we don't want to hear anybody to, to tell us from God's pulpit that the trouble that we're enduring, we're going to have to be there for a minute. We'd rather have somebody tell us from God's pulpit that when you declare and decree that your trouble has an expiration date and the expiration date is the next time you holler or the expiration date is the next time you sow a seed. We're ready to hit. We're ready to hear and heed that word. Yeah, tell me something that's going to make life easier. Tell me something that's going to make life more pleasant. Tell me something that's not going to hold me accountable to my own disobedience. Don't tell me anything that's going to hold me responsible to what I've done to cause myself to experience some of the trouble that I'm experiencing. But Jeremiah shows us that sometimes forth telling the will of God can cause people to understand the situation that you're in. You're going to be here for a while. Oh, but not only that. Not only that, not only the Passover and not only the Old Testament prophetic ministries, but even Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. We had, we had, listen, it had to be proclaimed that, that it was the will of God as difficult as it was to experience on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and preached after the spirit of God came through as a rushing mighty wind. And Peter stood up and preached that everything that happened to Jesus happened just as God designed it. That the nails in his hands, the nail in his feet and the blood that he shed and his dying on Calvary's cross was just the way God had prescribed it. Now that can be a difficult pill to swallow when someone tells you in retrospect that the pain you had to endure was designed by God. The crucifixion you had to experience the humiliation that you had to experience in front of everybody it was one thing if it could have been a private crucifixion but it had to happen in front of everybody you had to bleed in front of everybody you had to be humiliated in front of everybody you had to die some sort of a death in front of everybody and then someone stands up anointed by God to tell you according to the will of God that it happened just the way God designed it well and so Paul told the Thessalonians, despise not prophesying, despise not hearing the word of God, the will of God, whether it is being foretold or simply foretold. Why? What, what, what did he mean by despise? Despise, despise not prophesying. What he was telling them was that they ought not count as meaningless the things that God has to say. They ought not count as meaningless or devalue the things that God has to say. In fact, what he actually said was to, for them to stop, similar to what we looked at in 1 John chapter 4 last Sunday, to stop treating prophesying the proclaimed will of God as meaningless or with contempt. That there were some people who could hear the preaching of the word of God and sit there and listening in contempt, ready to reject what they heard rather than ready to receive what they heard. So then the question would become, why? Why would these folk despise prophesying? Why would they despise hearing the will of God proclaimed and preached in their hearing? Many scholars seem to believe that the Thessalonians were probably more fixated on spiritual gifts they deemed spectacular like speaking in tongues now 
I'm not against speaking in tongues. Paul was no by, by no means uh, uh, against speaking in tongues. Very much gave us an understanding of how speaking in tongues work. And speaking in tongues is a work, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that must be done just like every other manifestation of the Spirit must be done. How y'all? Decently and in order. But the Thessalonians, it is believed that the Thessalonians, kind of like the Corinthians, may have been more fixated on what they on what fascinated them maybe they were more fascinated in how the spirit of God could empower people to speak languages that no man ever taught them whether it was an actual language like what we've seen in Acts chapter 2 or a heavenly prayer language that can only be interpreted by someone who is supernaturally endowed by the Holy Ghost to interpret supernatural heavenly prayer language it could be that they were so that the Thessalonians were so fixated and fascinated by these manifestations of the spirit of God that they devalued preaching the word of God. It may pertain to uh, it may pertain to private experiences in prayer or uh, that had to be interpreted again in a prayer language or or sometimes when someone would receive a supernatural message from God that was uttered in tongues in a congregation that had to be interpreted by someone who had the supernatural gift of interpreting that message that has come from God. So the proclamation of the will of God was not as highly esteemed as speaking in tongues prophesying as interpreted here were counted as nothing Paul admonished the Thessalonians to not do it don't despise prophesying or if you're already despising prophesying Paul was telling them stop despising or counting as nothing prophesying and I would admonish any of you who have come to despise uh, or hold in contempt the preached word of God the preached will of God don't despise prophesying don't despise the proclaimed word of God we cannot live by bread alone we need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God just as Paul admonished the Thessalonians to not despise prophesying I would encourage uh, Union Grovalonians don't despise prophesying I would desp- I would encourage you don't despise prophesying and, and and I wonder if, if I may wonder out loud I wonder y'all I wonder if there is a similarity between the Thessalonians fascination with tongues then and with Christians today being fixated not only with tongues but fixated on conspiracy theories here we are in a day and time different from the Thessalonians where they, they, they've had their share of philosophers. They had their share of orators. They had, they had preachers proclaiming the word of God, the will of God, but they did not have as many sources of content and information as we do. We have YouTube. We have Facebook. We have, we have uh, uh, Twitter. Um, we, we have black Twitter. We, we have MSNBC, CNNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, Fox, CNN, uh, HLN, all of these, all of these networks, all of these platforms, and then all of these, all of these streams of content on YouTube. 
that's feeding all types of information that infiltrates our digestive system of our psyche and our soul and our, and our emotion. And, and some of that stuff, it, 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 it shows up. All of it has a way of showing up in our lives. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if Christianity, especially in America, if there, is, if there is a segment of persons in the body of Christ who are fixated with conspiracy theories, such to the point point where again they would storm the capital of the United States in Jesus name storm through the doors in Jesus name get to the senate floor and offer a prayer in Jesus name believing not only was it their patriotic duty to do so since the election was stolen but it was the will of God where are we to where we can be, and we, I'm talking about Christians in general, where we can be more fixated on conspiracies than we are on the simple truth of the word of God. To where if there's nothing, if there's nothing sensational about it, if there's nothing uh, overwhelmingly, uh, I don't want to use the word ridiculous, if it, it, but I just did. I, if, if there's nothing borderline, uh, uh, twisted, we, we don't want to hear. It's, it's almost as if our appetite, some of us have an appetite for nothing more than something that sounds like it's a conspiracy. And what these conspiracies, what these, what these rumors, what, what gossip, what, what, what lies can do to your psyche, how it can, how, what it can drive you, to what extremes it can drive you. I just want to tell somebody, we've got to be careful and, and, and prove what we hear. We don't have time to be merely fascinated, whether it's with tongues whether it's with laying hands on folk and watching them hit the floor, for which I wonder, is there even a biblical precedent for such a thing? Some of us feel like we ain't got nothing if don't nobody lay us out and put us on the floor. You ain't anointed if you don't put me on the floor. Put me on the floor to verify your anointing. We don't have time to be merely fascinated. We need to hear what will make us faithful. We don't have time to be merely fascinated. We, we need to hear what will make us fruitful. We don't have time to be merely fascinated. We need to hear what will make us fall on our face every now and then and cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. And we all know, we all know what life can look like when, when you despise prophesyings. Ain't none of us in here, well, none of us in here born saved. Some of us try to act like it. You wasn't born saved. First word out your mouth was not hallelujah. You wasn't speaking in tongues before you said mama and daddy. We remember our own lives when we despised or totally devalued what the Lord had to say. We remember what we did, where we went, what we wore, what we wasn't wearing, what we drank. Who we hooked up with, what we said and did when we got angry, how high we got, how drunk we got when we despised prophesying. Mama was telling us you need to get back in church, whatever mama. 
Grandmother was trying to tell her, I'm praying for you. Get back in the church. I'm a, I'm in due time, grandmama. We despise the prophesying and our lives looked like it. Our language sounded like it. Our, our, our behavior uh, was according to despising prophesying. And we see children. We see children. We see some children who despise prophesying. Looking at themselves and, and, and how they look at themselves. How they look at their future. How, how they look at authority figures. How they look at their parents. They despise prophesying. They, we, we, we see how they, how they talk back to their parents. How, how they misbehave with their teachers. How, how, how they hate police officers. We see children who despise prophesying. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we know, so many of us know what a family looks like when the family despises prophesying. When anybody in the family studying the word of God. Anybody in the family studying the will of God. Some of us are in families like that right now where you're the only one in your family saved. You're the only one in your family sanctified. You're the only one in your family filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire for Jesus. Some of us know right now what it's like to be in a family where ain't nobody studying the word of God. Not only that, we also may be acquainted with communities that despise prophesying. Where the community is so rampant with crime. The community is so rampant with domestic violence and drug abuse. So rampant with poverty. Churches everywhere, but ain't nobody studying. Too many people ain't studying what God has said. City halls, city halls being run, being regulated by, by persons that despise prophesying and can claim to be saved. But run their cities like the word of God ain't never crossed their mind. How do mayors who despise prophesying run their cities? They ain't studying the poor. They're not studying minorities. They don't care what happens in certain communities. All they care about is who can, who can finance their, their campaigns and keep them elected. Some of us know what it's like when the police department is run by a police chief who despises prophesying. Yeah. Won't, won't, hire, won't hire minority officers. Won't promote minority officers. Will police certain communities more effectively than they do other communities. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to have state capitals. State capitals, a nation's Congress, Supreme Court, local schools, universities, and colleges. We know what they look like when they're run by people who despise prophesying. We, we know what it's like when judges who sit on the bench administer, supposedly administer justice, but they, ain't, but they despise prophesying. And let, let us not overlook that Paul wrote these words to a church. Despise not prophesying. He wasn't talking to no police chief. He wasn't talking to any district attorney. He wasn't talking to any corrupt mayor. He wasn't talking to any, any uh, uh, former president who, who claims the election was stolen. No, he was talking to a church. Despise not prophesying. Paul was talking to a church. Do you know what a church looks like that despises prophesying, that despises or holds in contempt, hearing the will of God proclaimed? Let me tell you, they won't care anything about loving one another. They won't care anything about forbearing one another. They won't care anything about forgiving one another. They'll blame one another. They won't learn from one another. They won't serve one another. They won't give toward the work. They will not connect with one another. Despise not prophesying. Listen, despise not 
prophesying. Why not? Why? Why must we not despise prophesying? Because we cannot live by bread alone. You can't turn to your neighbor. But if you can repeat after me, we cannot live by bread alone. We need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Prophesying, hearing the will of God proclaimed, please hear me y'all. It gives us the measuring stick by which life will be judged. The will of God, the word of God helps us understand the measuring stick by which life will be judged. Listen, we will not be judged by whether we were good fraternity or sorority members. Our lives will be measured by according to the word of God. We will not be judged by whether we were effective in our military service. We will be judged. Listen, we, we will not be judged by how much money we made or all the stuff we bought and had to stash in storage. God is not looking for good Republicans, Democrats, socialists, libertarians, independents, conservatives, moderates or liberals. God is looking for us to be hearers and doers of his word as proclaimed by prophets he has chosen and speaks to and speaks through. Our lives will be measured by the standards set forth in the word of God. We cannot live by bread alone. There's grave danger. Grave danger in snuffing God's voice out of your life. Grave danger in believing God has nothing to say about how your life is governed and how you conduct yourself. Paul tells us not to despise prophesying. Rather, he goes on and he says, prove all things. Prove all things. Prove all things. He's saying, test everything you hear. Similar to what John told us in 1 John chapter 4. Test the spirit. Test, Paul told the, 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 the Thessalonians, test as metals are tested in the fire. When metals are, are being worked, they're put in fire to be refined and all of what's, all of what's waste will, will, will go into the fire. But that metal will emerge from that fire more pure and more valuable. And hence the word frequently, re, frequently uh, denotes the, the result of testing. It, it, is to be, it is to be tested. It is to be approved. It is to be approved to be supernatural and from the heart of God. Paul says prove all things. This implies, hear me y'all, this implies we'll discard some of what we hear. Some stuff being proclaimed is garbage. Paul says test it. He didn't tell us how. He just says, test it, prove all things and not just what we hear, not just preaching. Paul said, even some of the stuff you see happening that folk uh, uh, attest to be supernatural in its origin. Paul says, you better test that. Some of the stuff we see happening in church and we think the Holy Ghost is doing it ain't the Holy Ghost. Some of the things that we think God is behind, God ain't behind it. Paul says, prove all things. What you hear, what you see, Paul says, prove all things, all things. How, how do we prove all things when Paul didn't tell us how to prove all things? One, one way you can test it, one way you can show enough test whether what you're hearing or what you're seeing is, is definitely from God is, is it making you more like Jesus? Is it making you more like Jesus? That's, that's one good test. Is this going to make me more like Jesus? Is what I'm hearing going to make me more like Jesus? Is what, what I see happening in, in, in my midst, is it going to make me more like Jesus? Is it going to make me more loving like Jesus? Is it going to make me more selfless like Jesus? Is it going to make me more sacrificial like
Jesus? Is it going to make me more compassionate like Jesus? Is it going to make me more willing to die for the Father like Jesus? Is it going to make me give up everything to advance the kingdom of God like Jesus? Is it going to make me more merciful to those who need mercy like Jesus? Is it going to make me more merciful to those caught in adultery rather than side with those who ready to hang folk up and persecute folk? Is it? Is what I'm hearing? Is what I'm seeing? Is what I'm experiencing going to make me more like Jesus? Jesus, and not just the Jesus who flipped over tables in the temple some of y'all don't mind being like that Jesus yeah you 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 can justify what you do with your temper when you're like that Jesus you can justify when you go off on somebody when you're like that Jesus you can justify when you punch a hole in the wall when you're like that Jesus who flipped tables over in the temple but if you really took a closer look at why Jesus flipped those tables over in the temple you'd stop claiming to be like the Jesus who flipped the tables over in the temple because the Jesus who flipped the tables over in the temple was upset at corruption in the house of God to the point where he went ballistic against folk in leadership watch this who would eventually have him killed so you want to be like that Jesus you you get mad enough to where folk can get you well folk will kill you let's see you go off then what what I'm hearing is it making me more like Jesus that y'all is the ultimate test and the second thing I just want to propose it's a lot that I could let me just give you one more thing to to propose that fits in the context of why Paul wrote the Thessalonians will it will what you hear and what you experience would it better position you to be ready to see Jesus the Thessalonians was hearing some proclamations that, that, that they didn't need to work anymore, that they could, they could quit their jobs and they could sell all the proceeds and, and, just, and just chill out until Jesus came back. But Paul had to write the Thessalonians and told them, uh, y'all need to keep your jobs. Yeah, we, we don't know when he's coming back. You, you need to keep your jobs. You've, you've quit working because you, you think Jesus is coming right back. Listen, your love for Christ does not give you a license to be lazy. Your love for Jesus does not give you a license to be, to be lazy. Your love for the Lord does not give you a license to be lazy. It, it ought to make you work so that you're ready to meet him. You're ready to see him. For those who have passed on before Christ comes back, he has not left them out. He's going to raise them up. And those of us who are alive and remain, we shall be caught up to meet them together with the Lord in the air. One day, you're going to see Jesus. One day, I'm going to see Jesus. What I hear, what I experience experience what I see what I take in needs to make me better prepared to stand before him with confidence in hopes that he will say well done then Paul finally says hold fast that which is good you're going to get rid of some garbage but hold fast that which is good I feel sorry for folk who have matured so in Christ to where they have graduated from need for anyone to preach to them you have some people who think that no one can preach to them they move to new cities and they don't join churches because ain't nobody preaching the word or nobody is preaching uh, on their level or no one no one can feed them you I, I didn't know that you could become so mature in Christ where you could outgrow the need for anyone to preach to you or teach you what the word of God I didn't know you could get to that level I, I didn't know you could you could graduate from edification academy 
to where you don't need anyone ever to teach you. And I know the Bible says you don't need anyone to teach you because you have the Holy Ghost, but you got to read that in context. We have gifts in the body of Christ so that we can be edified and the edification never stops. But Paul says, hold fast that which is good. Yes, you're going to hear some things you need to discard, but hold fast that which is good. Yes, you're going to hear some things you need to delete, but hold fast that which is good. Hold fast, retain, hold on to it, hold it tight. Now hold it as, as a man would, would grab and hold another man. Hold on tight that which is good, that which is beautiful, that which is honorable, that, that which God would say is good, that which God would say is honorable, that which would come from the very heart of God. And so this is an admonition to allow the word to yet govern our lives, our thoughts, our speech, our hopes, our ho all of our behavior. This is a word to, for all of us to be encouraged to hide in our hearts that which is good so that we do not sin against God. This word, this word that you hold on to allows what God has put in you to come out of you when life gets hard this word that God speaks into your spirit is to be deposited in your psyche it is to be deposited in your soul as, as the psalmist has said it is it is to be hidden in our hearts so that we do not sin against God but not only that it is to be hidden in our hearts so that we don't give up when times get hard you've got to hold on to what God has said and with all that you've gone through you some of you you're still holding tightly to the word God spoke concerning you with all the mistreatment and harassment and abandonment you're still holding tightly to the word and allowing God's word to govern your behavior, your speech, and your thinking. With all that you've lost in this past year, you're still holding tightly to the word because I believe I'm talking to somebody where the word is all you got left. You've lost everything in COVID. You lost almost everything before COVID. And COVID came along and took the little bit you have left. But all you got left is the word God spoke into you your spirit was kept you from losing your mind is God telling you that it is his will to be with you to the point where he will never leave you and never forsake you and some of you you holding on to that word and my encouragement to you is to, is to heed the encouragement that comes from Paul. Paul says listen, prove all things despise, don't despise prophesying. Prove all things. Hold on tightly with a tight grip to that which is good because sometimes you may find yourself feeling that's all you've got left. And if anybody is sitting here today feeling as if all you have left is the word God gave you, my encouragement to you is hold on to it. Don't let it go let go of all that doubt or as minister steely said earlier let go of all that worry delete all of that anxiety get rid of all that depression get rid of uh, living a life of hopelessness and believe that god still has plans for you plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future that's the will of god for you to hang in there that's the will of god for you to hold on to god's unchanging hand that's the will of God.
God for you to endure as a good soldier. That's the will of God for you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing no evil, believing God is with you. Is anybody praying with me today? God wants you to hold on and endure. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. Don't you give in to hopelessness. Don't you give in to despair. Don't you give in to, to worry and anxiety. Believe that God has a brighter future for you. Believe that God has joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rather than worry, rather than be bound by anxiety, I want you to do what God told you to do. Pray without ceasing. Pray with supplication and make your request known unto God. Make your, your, your supplication known and God will give you peace that passes all understanding. Peace that blows your mind. Peace that you can't understand. Peace that you can't explain. Peace that you can't pay for. Peace that you can't get through PayPal. Peace that you can't get off eBay. Peace that you can't get off Amazon. Peace that only comes from the Holy Ghost. Peace that only comes through your prayer closet. Peace that comes supernaturally. Peace that can keep you and hold you when you can't stop crying. Peace that the devil can't steal. Peace that the world can't give you. Peace that the world can't take away. Peace that'll help you praise them when your world is falling apart. Peace that'll help you dance when you lost everything. Peace is there anybody here who knows what I'm talking about? If you got it, let me hear you say, I got it. It may be all you got left, but you got it. It may be the only thing that the bank can't repossess, but you got it. It may be the only thing they can't foreclose on, but you got it. If you got that, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. If that's all you have left, you can make it. Hold on. Hold on to what God spoke into your spirit. Hold on to what God spoke into your life. Hold on to what he told you before everything went haywire. Hold on to, to what he told you before everything just got buck wild. Hold on to what he spoke into your spirit. And if you can't praise him, with, as you look at everything that's going on, if you can't praise him, with, as you look at everything, look back at the word he spoke into your spirit. Praise him with the word that he spoke. Hallelujah. Declare, God, I'm still believing you. I'm still believing you to move mountains. I'm still believing you to release miracles. I'm still believing you to perform signs and wonders. I'm still believing you to knock down the walls in my life. I'm still believing you to bring me back from this, from this depth that I've fallen into. God, I'm believing you. I don't know who else to believe. I'm believing you. I don't know if I should believe Don Lemon. I don't know if I should believe uh, 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 folks on, on Fox News. I don't know if I should believe Democrats. I don't know if I should believe Republicans. I don't know if I should believe black folk, white folk. I don't know. I don't know which preachers I should believe, but I do believe that you're still with me. I do believe that you're not forsaking me. I do believe that you're going to cause all things to work together. All things will work together. I believe that all things will work together for good. I still believe that nothing can separate me from your love. I still believe I'm holding on to it. I'm holding on to it. The devil's trying to snatch it. You got to hold on to it. You got to get in your prayer closet and hold on to it. You got to get in your own private praise and hold on to it. You got, got to get by yourself sometimes. Sometimes turn the phone off and just, I'm trying to hold on to it. Before I lose it, I'm trying to hold on to it. Before I lose my mind, I'm trying to hold on to it. I'm trying to hold on to it. 
I'm trying to hold on to it. My life depends on it. I'm trying to hold on to it. My life, my hope depends on it. I'm trying to hold on to it. My destiny depends on it. I'm trying. I'm, that's why I came to church today. Wasn't even feeling good, but I came. I came to the house. I don't know who I'm talking to. You wasn't feeling good, but you came to the house of God because you need to hold on to it. You need to hold on to it because you're about to lose it. You're about to lose it. But if you hold on to it, God will keep you together. If you hold on, if you hold on to what he's spoken to your spirit, you're going to be all right. Hallelujah. 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 Don't you let the devil snatch it. You hold on to it. Don't you let the devil steal it. He, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You hold. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. In Jesus' name, I'm going to hold on to it. Hallelujah. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.